We want to welcome all those by television this morning to All of the United Methodist Church, sunny Robbinsdale, Minnesota. We may be few in numbers, but we're large on community and large on friendship and large on quality fellowship. And we appreciate the opportunity to be able to reach out to you. Uh, many of you do not have the privilege and the opportunity of mobility like some of us here. Uh, many of you are shut-ins and receive letters from individuals, a couple individuals recently came to our church uh, a number of Sundays because our church was not worshiping, visited us here a number of times, uh, sent a card, brought a card here just this past week, a couple of ER, ER doctors, ER doctors, Joel, and he says that be sure to give the love and appreciation and all those thoughts that we can reach out to those by way of television and radio and Facebook and other means of communication. As we begin our worship service this morning, we um, open with, as we always do, O Worship the King, Red Hymnals number 21. Red Hymnals number 21, please.
friends of God today and God ministering to you in whatever particular need that you may have as we sing the Spirit song.
youngest, and as many of you know, Hope went in for her six-month observation that died at that time. She was a number of months premature, and they had to take the baby because they found out they determined that she had leukemia, 99% leukemia throughout her bone marrow. And um, they took the baby, and the baby was a preemie, was raised by her son-in-law, Brooklyn Park police and all got together and they filled in Dan's time away from um, law enforcement so that he wasn't penalized at all for work that was missed. They gave up their um, days off, vacation time, and supplement um, Dan being gone to raise Delaney. Delaney's um, name was derived from um, putting together Mike mentioned today about Tina, his beloved wife, our beloved member of this church, and our beloved treasurer, and she just, she took a fall along with um, her fellow associate. They were, they were told that the newly constructed area where they were walking was, was, was not to be a problem, and both of them took a spill, and they're both kind of recovering from injuries. We pray for those who are recuperating from COVID, those who are listening by way of television and by radio and other means of communication. We're reminded of Paul's letter to Church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 7, where Paul says, each of you, that's us, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We give you this morning our prayers and our praise, our possessions, our time, our, our talents and our treasures. We thank you for Kim being with us after a number of months, and we pray for others who are going to be rejoining us as Robin is experiencing some breathing difficulties and challenges in such cold weather. I remember Nicholas, 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 who was born in the 3rd century. He had no idea that centuries after his death, he would be known as Santa Claus. He was just a man, just like you and I, who 
loved God and genuinely cared for people and, and who was known for giving cheerfully of his own possessions and doing kind deeds. And the story is told, Nicholas, that after learning of a family who was in great financial distress, Nicholas came to their home at night and threw a bag of gold through an open window, which landed in a shoe or a stocking, warming by the fireplace. And long before Nicholas, the Apostle Paul urged the believers in Corinth to be cheerful givers. The Apostle Paul wrote to them about the great financial needs of their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem and encouraged them to give generously. Paul explained to them the benefits and the blessings that come to those who give of their possessions. He reminded them that whoever sows sparingly, plants sparingly, will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously, generously, will also reap generously. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 6. And as a result of their cheerful generosity, they would be enriched in every way. And God will be honored. May you be honored by our giving and our receiving of our time and our treasures and our talents today, O oh Lord. Would you be honored? Father, would you help us to be cheerful givers, not only during this coming New Year's season, but for all year long. We thank you for the incredible generosity in giving us your indescribable gift, your Son, Jesus Christ, according to verse 15. And where do we see a, a need you could help with this this week? How could you give generously of your time or your resources? Lord, we thank you this morning that you're giving God for encouraging us to be generous because in your economy, generosity will bring the giver and the receiver abundant blessings. We pray for members of our congregation who, who would be here, but due to certain circumstances, confidentially, they do not want their names to be mentioned, but we bring before you those empty pews. We pray, Father, for the many health challenges of members of our congregation, for the science of our hearts, meditation. We pray, Father, that you would guide and direct us in this, this time of worship as we uh, Approach your word according to Luke chapter 3, verses 15 through 20, about always exalting Christ. For John the Baptist said that he must decrease so that Christ may increase in our midst. And that's our prayer, that just as John brought the baptism of repentance, and we can, we can be bearers of this good news of repentance, getting right with God. But it's only Jesus that can baptize us with the Holy Spirit. We pray that you would bless Luke chapter 3, verses 15 through 20 as we study that scripture. As you taught us all to pray, sing together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And I'll ask Mike to come now and
prepared to share moments of the lady and I want to post my way to television and radio and YouTube and other means of communication and turn with me in your Bibles, in your Bibles to Luke chapter 3 verses 15 through 20. God's words remind us in Luke chapter 3 verses 15 through 20 to be filled with expectation, to anticipate during worship. What expectations do you come with this morning? And the scripture here, Luke chapter 3, verses 15 to 20, says it's a people. Imagine yourself being amongst those who are approaching Jesus. It says, as the people were filled with expectation, King James talks about music, music, and they were all questioning in their hearts concerning, concerning John. I like King James uses the word music because it, it fills us with a sense of expectation and questioning. It's music is kind of like we as children wondering and anticipating underneath the tree what maybe in the presence that we're about to open. It says as, as the people were filled with expectation I trust you were filled with expectation this morning and they were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether John might be the Messiah. And John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water. But one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor, and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with his unquenchable fire. And so with many other exhortations, Jesus proclaimed the good news to the people. But Herod, the ruler, who had been rebuked by him, or he, he, so with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to but Herod, the ruler who had been rebuked by him because of Herod, his, his brother, wife, and because of all the evil things that Herod had done, added to them all by shutting up John in prison. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word today. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning, Mike. You see the people that we spoke of in Luke chapter 3, verse 15 through 20, were waiting impatiently, I might add, a, a Messiah. And because of John the Baptist's behavior of clean living and his holiness, his small ancient holiness here, um, because he separated himself from the sinners and the normal pagan practices of the day, these people had confused him with the Messiah, and they were waiting for him. This mistake was emphasized by the fact that they hadn't seen a prophet for hundreds of years, and they vehemently declined these claims of mistaken identity. He's like, no, I'm not the Messiah. He's on the way. John was also not discriminatory with his baptisms. He baptized everybody, all classes. Class were a big thing back then. You were either close to royalty, or you were not. I'll put it like that. He answered that he was not the one they were looking for and waiting 
saved or were baptized with spirit and fire. <clears throat> he did not mean the hot, destructive kind of fire that we sit around and roast marshmallows. He used the Greek word for fire that means vitalizing, glowing, transforming, and energetic. In verse 17, John mentions a winnowing fork. A winnowing fork was used to separate the husks of wheat from, from the husks. And after separation, the husks were thrown into a furnace, a burning fire. This is an excellent analogy to what Jesus does on God's behalf. Faith in Jesus rewards you, or so on, with being stored in the side of heaven. For eternity, your faith in Jesus allows you to go to the south, not silo, not the fire. The chapel of those without faith, faith, go to eternal fire. I noticed the word chapter in verse 17 is, pardon my Greek, I don't speak very well at all. The Akatar in Greek, that's what they use for the word husk. This means, this is the only time in the New Testament the word Diakater is used. And it's, usually, it's a really a, a kind of a rare word even for the language. It means that no trace is left behind after thrown into the fire. That includes everyone that separates themselves from Christ by their lack of faith. It's okay to have issues reading the, the Testament with the word hair because there's six of them mentioned. Hard to keep all the hair straight. But all of them, they're all related. But they, they only have that in common. The thing they do not have in common is hair dancers. The second surviving son of Herod the Great. He was the Tetrarch of Galilee. That means basically he was like the governor. His ruling authority was acceptable from Rome's perspective, yet he was far from being a decent human being, as we measure He had all the negative qualities of his father, lying, gambling, drinking, women, but he didn't have any of the good qualities of Herod the Great. The heritage mentioned was covetous, greedy, corrupt, suspicious, sly, and cunning. Its disqualities place him far, far from being considered anywhere near what we consider a decent human being or an experiment. Thank you, Mike. I will continue to remember I'm feeling your thoughts and prayers. You had enough complicating factors before that, that fall. Also, I received a text last night from Jim Kreider, who's a regular on our Wednesday um, Zoom calls, and Jim said, uh, and let someone about high school classmate of ours, Lance Smith, Lance Smith, he played Smithing your thoughts, appreciates COVID, or um, she was a year older than me, and both of her brothers were good friends of mine and played musical instruments at Christian. Since I remember one of the last times I seen Lydia, she was a homecoming queen and just all really talented, good looking um, family. And her 
father was our doctor. Whenever I was ill, I used to go over there and he diagnosed the problem and charged me and everything. For a high school graduation present, lighting a brand new Mach 1 out for those car loans, Mach 1 with the 428, 428 engine. That was the first one that she brought out drive it and I just you know, fell in love with, you know, muscle cars after that. But I'm trying to get in touch with Facebook friends and see if I can get a hold of her to have a word of prayer. She has a very severe case of COVID in the ER right now, so keep um, lights in your thoughts and prayers. In our scripture today, we, we learned firstly Firstly, from these verses, that the one effect, the one effect of a faithful ministry, a faithful church, faithful Christians, faithful ministry, is to set to develop men and women, boys and girls, to thinking. Growing up in the EUB church, Evangelical United Brethren Church, was always a little bit more evangelical and conservative than the Methodist Church. Um, it's interesting that all through my ministry, I've served former EUB churches, Evangelical United Brethren Churches. And on nearly every one of the churches that I've served, I've had bishops come and preach at, at those churches. In the early part of my ministry, I noticed one of the greatest gifts in the assets of a bishop of the United Methodist Church was his conservative and his preaching ability. And he always, uh, at that time, primarily male bishops, and primarily they emphasized that you had to stir people up to get them thinking in order for them to grow in Christ. I still remember Bishop Emerson Cola, bishop of a number of years ago, when I was a minister at Asbury United Methodist in South Minneapolis, he, he had his bishop or his secretary, May Olson, who was a member of the church at Asbury, get a hold of me and he wanted me to represent Methodist ministers from the state of Minnesota in preaching on evangelism and commitment to Christ, as he had also baptized some of our children in the river near river and his wife came up there and baptized our children. Bishop, it was quite an honor to have a bishop come to the local church and baptize our children. And he always emphasized in his, his sermons, he was a professor and he followed Wayne Clymer who was a professor at the Evangelical School of Theology which was a real close friend of um, our other Janet that used to worship here. And faithful ministry is, is to set people thinking. You know, Pastor George and I, you know, we, we think that we try to get people thinking, but it's, it's almost like the Holy Spirit needs to convict people, get people right and ready think. We read in our scripture today concerning John the Baptist 
the hearers of John the Baptist said the people were in expectation and all mused. I like the King James Version. It's mused, which is, if you look at the meaning, it's, it's um, getting them to expect, getting them so tempted. And it's almost like fishing. Fishing and waiting for the, the bite, the line, and the readiness to, to roll them in. And all mused in their hearts of John, and, and they asked John whether he were the Christ. Was John the Christ or not? And the, the cause, the cause of true religion has gained a great step in a parish or a congregation or a family when people begin to think. If you can capture people open to thinking the gospel, not thinking about what they have to do next or what they have done already prior. And that's why sometimes pastors want to clear their thoughts for a few minutes before they come to the pulpit. And they hope that parishioners kind of clear their thoughts of the problems that they come to church with and the problems they may encounter. And sometimes there's shows on television like Little House in the Prairie that can cause you to anticipate, expect some positive results in just an hour. That thoughtlessness, just the whole process of psychological thoughtfulness about spiritual things is one of the great features of the unconverted. It cannot be said enough in many cases that the unconverted either like the gospel or they disdain it. But they do not give it a place in their thoughts. They never consider it, according to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 3. So many people are in our society, they just never consider it. They get let days and months and weeks and years pass, and they never consider their spiritual natures, their eternal destinies. Well, let you and I always thank God that we are, we see a spirit of reflection. Hopefully you're sensing a spirit of hunger and a spirit of reflection on religious subjects coming over the minds of there are certain natures that we all have that need to be more converted. The truth of Christ has nothing to do with fear from a sober examination. We need to examine ourselves. We, we should always court. We should always court inquiry. We desire to have its claims fully investigated. We, we know that it's fitness, it's spiritual fitness to supply every want of our heart and our conscience. It's not appreciated in many cases simply because it's not known. We don't have, we've lost the spirit of spiritual inquiry. Thinking, no doubt, is not faith, is not repentance. Just thinking alone is not faith or repentance. But it is always a very powerful, powerful symptom. When hearers of the gospel begin to muse, M-U-S-E, muse in their hearts, we ought to bless God and we ought to take courage. Take courage. 
We learn, secondly, from these verses that, that a faithful minister or a faithful Christian, faithful wife or a faithful husband, grandmother, grandfather, neighbor will always exalt Christ. Always exalt Christ. We read that when John saw the state of mind in which his hearers were, he told them of a coming one that was mightier, mightier than himself. John refused the honor which he saw the people ready to give him. And he referred them to Jesus, to him who had the fan, the fan in his hand, the Lamb of God, the Messiah. Such conduct like that will always be the characteristic of a true person of God. It's always been my hope, and my prayer as I stand in the pulpit. As I look out of the congregation, just to imagine the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit sitting at the back of the church, giving them a nod of appreciation. Conduct like this will always be the characteristic of a true person of God. That one will never allow anything to be credited to them or their office, which belongs to the Divine Master. Any success should always be credited to Christ. Failure to one's self. That one would say like St. Paul, we preach not ourselves, but we preach Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants of Jesus' sake. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 5. You wonder, among some of the TV evangelists, if they consume too much of the praise of others rather than the praise of God. To commend Christ dying and rising again for the ungodly, to make known Christ's love, and power to save sinners, this will be the main object of the true Christian, the true Christian ministry's life. The words, he must increase, but I must decrease, will be a ruling principle in all their preaching. That person will be content that their own name be forgotten as long as Christ is crucified and Christ is exalted. Christ is to be always exalted in our midst. Would you know whether a minister or a Christian is sound in the faith and deserving of our confidence as a teacher or a preacher? We have only to ask a simple question, where is Christ in their teaching? Where is, where is Jesus Christ in their preaching? Would we know whether we ourselves are receiving benefit from the preaching we attend? Let us ask whether its effect is to magnify Christ in our, in our esteem. For a minister or a Christian who, who is really doing us good will make us think more of Jesus every year we live and every time we have the sense of one another. I try to choose my, my friends wisely through life and my ministerial friends and my colleagues. 
many of you have met Jim Kreider and, and how he was nurtured and mentored by his faithful Baptist parents. We learn thirdly from these verses the essential difference between the Lord Jesus and even the best and the most holiest of his followers. We have it in the solemn words of John the Baptist, I indeed baptize you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Humans, humans, whether male or female, when they're ordained, can administer the, the outward ordinances of Christianity with, with a prayerful hope that God will graciously bless the means by which they, have, they themselves have been appointed. But a man or a woman cannot read the hearts of those to whom they minister to. One can preach the gospel faithfully in their ears, but one cannot make them receive it into their consciences and their, their hearts. One can apply baptismal water to their foreheads, but cannot cleanse their inward nature. One can give the bread and, and the wine of, of the Lord's Supper into their hands, and, but one cannot enable them to eat Christ's body and, and blood by faith, honorably discern the body and blood of Christ. And up to a certain, up to a certain point one can go, but one cannot go any further. No ordination, however solemnly conferred, can give one power to change the heart of another. Christ, Christ the great head of the church, can alone do this by the power of the Holy Ghost. It is Christ's peculiar office to do it, and it is an office which he and he alone has disputed to no child of God or human beings. And may we never rest till we have tasted by experience the power of Christ's grace. Christ's grace upon our souls. We, we have been baptized with water, but have we also been baptized with the Holy Spirit? I firmly believe and fear that many have not asked the Holy Spirit to baptize them. To immerse them in the Holy Spirit. We are members of the, the visible church, but, but are we also members of the mystical body of which Christ alone is his head? Are these privileges which Christ alone bestows and for which all who would be saved must make personal, personal application to Jesus Christ? Human beings cannot give them their treasures that's laid up in Christ's hand. And from Jesus Christ, we must seek them by faith and, and by prayer and believing. We shall not seek them in vain. We learn, fourthly, in these verses that the change that Christ will work in Jesus' visible church at his second appearance. His second advent, we, we read in the figurative words of his forerunner, John the Baptist, that, that he will thoroughly, thoroughly purge his floor. And
and gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchably. The visible, visible church is now a mixed body. Believers and unbelievers, holy and unholy, converted and unconverted, are now mingled, mingled in every congregation and often sit side by side. It passes the power of humans to, to separate them. False profession is often so like true profession and grace is often so weak and feeble that in many cases the, the right discernment, the right discernment of character is almost an impossibility. The wheat and the chaff will continue to grow together until the Lord returns. But there will be an awful separation at the last day, the unerring judgment of the King of Kings and Lord of Lord, Lord shall at length divide the wheat from the chaff and, and divide them forevermore. The righteous shall be gathered into a place of happiness and a place of safety and security, but the wicked shall be cast down to shame and everlasting contempt. In that great sifting day, everyone shall go to their own place. And may we often look forward to that day and judge ourselves if we be not judged by the Lord. And may we give all diligence to make our calling and election sure and to know that we are God's wheat, God's true weight. A mistake in the day that the floor is purged will be a mistake that is irretrievable. And we learn lastly this grand and glorious Lord's Day from these verses that the, that the reward of God's servants is often not in this world. St. Luke closes his account of John the Baptist's ministry by telling us of his imprisonment by Herod. The end of that imprisonment, we know from other parts of the New Testament, it led at last to John being beheaded. All, all true servants of Christ must be content to wait for their wages. Their best things are yet to come. They must not count it no strange thing if they meet with, with hard treatment from humanity. The world that persecuted Christ will never he hesitate to persecute Christians According to 1 John chapter 3, 13, marvel not that the world hate you. But let us take comfort in the thought that the great master has laid up in heaven for his people such things as passes our, our comprehension and our understanding. That the, the blood that his saints have shed in his name will be reckoned for one day and in the, in the tears that that often flows so freely in consequences of the unkindness of, of the wicked, will one day be wiped from all their faces. And when John the Baptist and all who have suffered for the truth are at last gathered together, they, they will find it true that heaven, that heaven makes amends for all.
Sunday morning, as we make decisions for Christ by way of television and radio, other means of communication. Many of us recall days that we we dedicated our lives to Christ at first time dedication, but we need the added emphasis of God's Holy Spirit to be baptized and immersed, and we need a, a fresh new move of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our eyes. With every head bowed and every heart open to the still small voice of God, may we repeat these words, dear Jesus. I have sinned and fallen short of your glory and things I have done and left undone. Forgive me, O oh Lord. Come into my heart and life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. As we wait upon you for God's gifts, as God has graciously given to you, and as we exalt Christ in the use of our time, our talents, and our treasures, would you turn in your bulletins to your offertory prayer, and would you repeat this offertory prayer with me, please? God of new beginnings, as we move into this new year, stir in us the feelings of expectation. Kindle our hearts and minds to see possibilities for our world and for your kingdom. Help us to believe that the world we have can be better, more loving, more just, more compassionate, and looking much more like the world you've imagined for us. Lord, help us to give generously this day to empower that to happen. In the name of Christ, Savior and Redeemer, we pray, amen. As the offering is taken, let us turn to our offertory hymn, Breathe on me, breath of God, Red hymnals number 187, 187.
reason we are still feeling the Christmas and the New Year's glow. Our heads and our hearts are filled with the sounds and smells and memories of the joy and the hope and the love and the stable and the baby and the manger. And we, we, we read about the, the 12-year-old Jesus being left behind. We sometimes wish that we didn't have to head back into the world. And as we make our last gifts and the first gifts of this coming year to you, Lord, help us see that the mission you put before us, Bethlehem is just the beginning of our work. Robinsdale, the rest of the earth, we, we pray in the holy name of Jesus the Christ. Amen.